Pop Shield, a log forum discussion podcast about musical topics both past and present. I'm Gabe, and I'm joined as always by Dan. Hello. And Eric. Hello. So a few weeks ago, Bob Dylan released his 39th studio album. Holy shit. (laughs) It's called Rough and Rowdy Ways, and pretty much every music publication out there has been showering it with praises, declaring it a late career masterpiece on par with his last comeback albums from the late 90s and early 2000s, possibly even on par with his, you know, uber classics from the 60s and 70s. Even if Dan didn't demand that we discuss every single Dylan release on this podcast, we'd still be pretty interested, I think, in interrogating these claims. So that's what we're going to do. An in-depth look at Bob Dylan's rough and rowdy ways from this year, 2020. Before we dive in, I think we need a little primer on late Dylan from our resident expert. Dan, say somebody had never listened to a Dylan album released after, let's say, Desire in 1976. What's he been up to since then? Kind of the short version. All right, and I wrote it out so I wouldn't ramble too much. (laughs) (laughs) All right, but okay, so so after 76, we we get an okay album, then we get three Christian records uh, going through Mm -hmm. the 80s, Uh, then just a slog of okay to uh, basically horrible albums uh, from 83 to 93, and then in 1997, we get the first comeback record, um, or really, I guess the second comeback record, if Blood on the Tracks is the first one, uh, Time Out of Mind. That's recorded uh, just before... Dylan, he he suffers a near fatal bout of uh, it's like hyptoplasmosis. Uh, I, I read the Wikipedia article on it, and it's called Caver's Lung. Um, he said he said he, wow. he got it from uh, standing next to a river. Um, so <laughs> stay indoors, okay. I guess. Um, so he, so he almost died. And then this this record is done with Daniel Lenoy, um, who I know best from he did you know that uh, record of uh, Brian Eno's um, Apollo. Yes, yes, he 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 did that record with Brian. You know that that's how I know him. Okay. But he he produced uh, that record. Uh, everybody loved that album. I think it won some Grammys that year. Uh, it, it's a great record. And then he follows that up, literally on nine eleven two thousand and one. Uh, with Love and Theft, which is another record that got like a, a a lot of praise, people were loving it. It's it's another great record. And then after that, a couple more, you know, decent records uh, in the same similar kind of vein. Then we get a Christmas album. Um, then uh, Tempest, which is his last original material um, since this record, uh, and that was released on nine eleven uh, twenty twelve. Uh, which what the heck? He has a lot of nine eleven, which is crazy because <laughs> yeah. that's also my birthday. Uh, is yeah. um, and then fate. after that, he um, he abandons uh, you know original material and just becomes a Sinatra cover act. Basically, um, he does he does three Sinatra cover records. One of those being tr- a triple disc album, um, <laughs> and then he started making whiskey. And, uh, and then we're here at Rough and Rowdy Ways. So you were you must have been like surprised that. That a new album of original material was coming out, right? Yeah, I was. I mean, most people were. There had been some uh, some like rumors swirling around, like um, Dylan's longtime guitarist uh, Charlie Sexton had like posted some stuff on Instagram, like that he was in the studio, and people, you know, of course, get gets the rumor mill going. But you know, nothing really like solid was was known. Um, and yeah, I mean, we were in the period of the longest point in between two original uh dylan records uh we we had been like long past that amount of time um so yeah it was sort of looking like like it was over and also like tempest everybody like when that record first came out and stuff like a lot of people were saying like oh this will be dylan's last record you know tempest with shakespeare's uh you know last play or whatever you get you get you excited now 
and uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of, but yeah, um, you know, so a lot of people thought like there was, uh, you know, something like that going on. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, after it had been eight years, you know, that started looking more and more likely, uh, and then just sort of out of nowhere, we got, we got murder most foul released. And then, um, right, right. a couple, you know, uh, weeks later, uh, rough and rowdy ways was announced. So I wonder, Darren, you know, what is your familiarity with, I mean, this is more than like a period in Dylan's career. It's really like, you know, 30, 40 years we're talking about here. But, um, you know, this kind of late stuff, the last comeback, I mean, what, how how familiar, familiar are you with all this stuff? Well, you know, Bob Dylan obviously is like such a massive name that any new release coming from him hits a headline somewhere, you know what I mean? And so I've yeah. like, you yeah. know, I've I've seen, you know, I remember when like, modern times was announced and, th- and things like that I, mm-hmm. I can re- i recall but i never i've never listened to any of those records um mm. you know similar to like a lot of well i guess there's not too many but there's definitely like plenty of artists who have like crossed that like three or four decade long <laughs> career um right you just there's just a certain point where you just kind of don't bother uh yeah. for whatever reason it's just it's just not you know, it's not, it's never, it just never seems to be what you originally loved, like from their first, I don't know, 10 years or so. So that's kind of how I just looked at yeah. it, Bob Dylan. I was thinking about it because it's pretty weird how, like if I get in a Dylan mood, it's hard to convince myself to like kind of branch out into this later period stuff, sure. you know, because it's like, not only are there just a copious amount of classic classics that I could listen to if I'm in that mood. But there's also a bunch of stuff from that period that I feel like I've never really spent enough time with, you know, like kind of the lesser albums of the seventies and stuff. And I do find that like every couple of years, I find a new Dylan album that I really love. And I, I, I weirdly made a mistake. Actually, there's like a bootleg series, right, Dan, that kind of covers some of this, like, yeah. Uh, um, comeback period. Mm hmm. And I, I got like kind of into that, and then it was weird because I I couldn't like I didn't like as much the album versions of a lot of those songs in a weird way. Um, but I have dabbled a little bit. But yeah, I mean, it, wouldn't it be weird, right? Like, let's say that Radiohead had like, you know, because they've got like OK Computer and Kid A, and it's not it's not enough where you're like, oh, I'm in a Radiohead mood. I'll pick one of those two. If if Radiohead had like 15 OK computers, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It would be hard to convince yourself when you're in the mood to dabble into anything else. Um, so it's a weird situation, but you know, huge Dylan fan, but just, this is, you know, I just really have not kept up with them. Um, Dan, obviously you have kept up with them, but I, I wonder what your opinion is exactly, you know, is it like some of these albums from the late nineties and on are as good as his golden period stuff? Or how do you feel? No, I mean, of of course not. I, I, you know, I, I think the reason I don't fall into that slog like like you guys uh, talk about, because I, I think that's like a, a, a you know a reasonable thing. There's plenty of bands that I, I like that you know I've never listened to their their you know 1990 record or whatever. But but with Dylan, it's like right. I mean he's he's like by far my favorite artist. I, he's like such like an interesting character that it's like every little thing. Every every little album, it's like something to to learn. You know, e- even like when it's bad, it's like why is it bad you know like there's just something about it and then i mean there are records that like i genuinely enjoy that are you know post desire you know i mean street legal is pretty good in in this you know kind of bad time i mean there's even stuff to love on empire burlesque or oh mercy or and and stuff like that world gone wrong but then i mean time out of mind i i think that is like a a a fantastic record i i listen to it uh quite a bit um 
I mean, is it as good as, you know, bringing it all back home or blonde on blonde or something? Like, uh, of course not. You know, I wouldn't, if somebody was like just getting into Dylan, I wouldn't say, you know, oh man, you, you gotta hit time out of mind. You gotta hit love and theft. Right. You know, I would say like once, once you've, you know, you've hit the big ones and, and yeah, I mean, that, that's a, that's a huge, there's a huge list of, you know, perfect tens I think that Dylan has, but you know, I, I, I know those records like so well, um, that it's like, you know, I kind of have to go to these other ones to like, to, 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 to get anything, you know, new to find anything. Um, but I, I mean, I think there's like, I, I, I really do think that like his later stuff is sort of underrated. I mean, even like modern times, like Darren was saying, um, you know, like that, that record, it, it's not, it's not standing up to, to any of the classics, but th- there's like some really good songs on it. Same with Together Through Life. Just, just that whole period, like it, it's not as consistent, you know, like, like modern times isn't like a fantastic record from front to back. It's like you know it's got some good tracks on it it's got some okay tracks you know it, it's not like something that you you, yeah. you need to dig into yeah all right well um so as a relative newcomer to this you know uh, i guess life of dylan um the second life of dylan darren what were you expecting you know put putting on a 2020 album by bob dylan right so you know, I've actually seen Bob Dylan once live, right? Dan it was in Ryan. 20, yeah, 2006, right? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so yeah. I, you I've, know, my I've only memory times. from <laughs> the, my only memory from that show was just thinking how awful, like, it was because, like, Dob, I, I just couldn't, he, he was, like, mumbling, right? I think he was playing the keyboard a lot. And, um, yeah, you know, he only plays the, the songs that now. you, right? Like, so the songs that you, you know, that I'm, therefore obviously he's not playing in that in that way so um you know going into this record i was sort of expecting it to be more of that just like you know not the bob dylan that i'm familiar with basically at all you know what i mean um i expected a lot more you know keyboard and just non you know not like the folksy harmonica using type of bob dylan you know yeah i i guess i was kind of like you know, I, I mean, I checked out the Tempest. I'm sure I even put on the Sinatra records like once to see what they sounded like. But, you know, so I didn't expect to be completely caught off guard. I guess I wouldn't have been that interested except for, you know, this um, this track that he released, Murder Most Foul, you know, was like this 17-minute epic. And obviously we'll talk about it in detail in a minute. But, you know, I was like, wow, is he making, he's making like a statement record. You know, I, I love that when an artist makes like a statement record and it gets hard when you're 39 albums yeah, in, yeah. obviously, but like, <laughs> but I like when I, there are signs that are pointing to like, okay, they're, they're, you know, this artist is trying to do something. And, you know, I felt a little bit, I didn't even listen to like the other singles that got released and they seemed a little bit closer to like standard song length. Mm-hmm. So I wondered, you know, maybe that'll be like a weird, maybe it won't even make the record or who knows, but um, it did pique my interest, I will say. Um, did you have high hopes, Dan? Yeah, I mean, obviously, any anything you know, Dylan does, I'm going to check out. Um, but Murder Most Foul comes out, and uh, I mean, it basically had uh, me written all over. It. You know, it's it's 17 minutes though, the or 1654. It's the longest Dylan song now. The previous longest one was on Time Out of Mind, uh, which is kind of crazy oh. but um yeah so it's it's 17 minutes i love a long song it was about it's about kennedy i love uh the 60s politics and uh space race cold <laughs> war that's my thing so 
I mean, you know, this had me written all over it. Um, so I was very, I was very excited, and I, I I loved the song, you know, from from the first listen. I of course listened to all the singles, uh, you know, as, as soon as they came out. Um, and I, you know, I, I liked the other two, Agitate Multitudes and False Prophet. Um, you know, I I didn't I didn't want to burn them out because I at that point, you know, it's pretty obvious we're getting a record, even though it didn't get announced. Yeah, until with with the Murder Most Foul, it wasn't. It wasn't clear with Murder Most Foul if that was just a one-off thing or what. Yeah, because like the way it was released, he was like, "We recorded this a while ago." It it sort of like was like, "Ah, I got this laying around. I'm just shooting <laughs> right. it out there," you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, once once we got, I contained multitudes and then False Prophet. Yeah, you know, I didn't want to burn myself out, so I just you know I listened to them once or twice. You know, I I liked them. I thought they were like better than uh, you know things on the Tempest. The Tempest his his voice was was kind of uh, not the greatest uh, at the time, and also I was um you know it was definitely like looking up, and uh, you know of, of course I mean I I was even a little excited when with the Sinatra records, even though they're pretty horrible. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right, well let's dive into it then. Um... Darren, maybe you can do the honors of first trying to describe the overall sound of rough and rowdy ways. So, <clears throat> you know, coming off of listening to 100 Gex, right? Um, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, quite a, a turn, right? Quite, quite a turn. Um, right. You know, it, it, but a turn into familiar territory, I felt like, right? Kind of immediately. Um, you've got, you know... A rock and roll band right um you know i was pretty much immediately brought back to like dylan's like electric period you know where he surrounded himself with a band and different instrumentation um and you know took away the focus of just like an acoustic guitar and a harmonica right, right? That, right. That, that that's not what's happening here this is much more in line with you know dylan goes electric um you know i i still think that there's you know it's a little more sparse though than like some of those uh, i'm just thinking of like some of the first like electric records right that were you know pretty heavy i would i would say well yeah i mean god i think it's like way more sparse you know it's not like Mm -hmm. it's not like the band or the hawks uh playing this you know it's like it it feels like i get the weird impression that like every song sounds like not fully orchestrated or something like as if a full band played and they just cut a couple instruments like it's kind of strange that there's no you know there's no like piano on pretty much every song except for the last one um there's not any like organ or anything you know i i I think we'll talk about this more but there are like songs where you know it's kind of like a bluesy stomper and you expect a um solo (laughs) you know like that's the whole blues format is like to kind of like work your way through this slow blues burner and then build up to some like shredding and that just never ever comes um you know i think overall it's just got this very sparse quality i think most of the songs have this very minimal kind of like elegaic quality where it's like quite gentle and drifting and stuff with like two kind of like bluesy songs thrown in for good measure and yet even they are very sparse um i was also struck by like how lightly everything is played I was, yeah, I was feel just that way like that, yes just feels like very light because it feels like he's not it feels like he's just speaking at a normal like room volume or something and they're trying not to play too loud so that you can hear him yeah like do you, what would you add to this dan 
Yeah, I, I think that's a you know a pretty good thing. I I mean, not much has come out about like the sessions of of this record yet, and and maybe they never will. But like Dylan's sort of famous. Uh, he he like said that he didn't even know you could do overdubs until like the nineties. Um, and so he's like sort of famous for like they kind of all like most of his records are like essentially played live, you know, um, like a band playing while he's sitting, you know, he doesn't do like the vocals in a vocal booth on his own. So like when you say like, you know, it sort of sounds like they're trying not to play too loud. Like, I mean, that very easily could have actually like literally been the case, you know. Um, but yeah. I, but I think that that's like a, a good thing about this record. You know, I think like a, a problem, like a lot of these, like, um, you know, sort of for want of a better word, like legacy act people, they, they kind of get in this like habit of like overproduction and like over like filling everything, you know, like putting like, and I mean, yeah. Dylan, Dylan did it like basically right away when, when, you know, quote unquote, like fell off, like street legal would be a really great record, except there's like all these like sort of choir singers in the background and, and like he gets into horns right, at, right. at times, like later on and stuff. And, you know, like that, that stuff just all, like, I feel like it, it never works out well. And, um, I don't, he he's produced all his own records since Time Out of Mind was the last one that someone else did. Um, but I actually don't know if that's the case here. I don't know that it's actually been released. It doesn't say on Wikipedia. Um, so I really don't know. Um, he he may have produced it. He, maybe he got somebody to come in. So um, I'm not sure. Huh. Yeah. So, I mean, Darren, I mean, I, I'm still surprised that you, you felt like you were in familiar territory. I mean, to me, it was like, kind of arresting how like minimal and soft and like you know it just sounded like you know three or four people in a room or something you could really hear how empty the room was or something um nothing shocked you on this um i mean i i definitely agree with the sparseness and you know the feeling of like just not you know like kind of restraint right using a lot of restraint um a lot of times but you know, I still kind of felt like familiar with, you know, with Dylan, you know, lyrically, right? And we'll we'll probably get into that a bit more, you know, and there's there's songs like False Prophet that, that feels like, you know, very much like, you know, early Dylan, but like a light, you know, a lighter version, but still yeah. like familiar with the kind of like bluesy stomping sort of riff and everything. Um, yeah. And then, you know, it's it, kind of struck, though, like with that song, there's like. Like, even the bluesy songs, I felt like there was a use of kind of, like, light atmosphere. Like, on False Prophet in particular, like, on the right channel, I don't know if it's, like, an organ or if it's, you know, like a slide guitar not sliding, you know, just, like, sustaining in that kind of, like, woozy, dreamy sound, you know? Like, kind of just, like, droning over the whole thing. And it it, it was kind of strange to me that, like, we're kind of in rocking mode, but it it still had that, like, weird, ethereal... Mm -hmm quality of i contain multitudes you know what i mean darren yeah well and like the overall tempo is like slowed down yeah. so much yeah. right like that you you wouldn't have expected something like this you know in, in like the earlier dylan records but to me it still has that kind of like loose like rock band type of you know yeah. familiarity i guess yeah i just kept thinking like if you know imagine the band playing this in you know like the late 60s or something like that exact song 
you know, how hard it would rock. You know, For sure. I mean? and like, faster. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think about something like Goodbye Jimmy Reed. It, it sounds like it's just like there is a harmonica on it. Right. But it just kind of plays like a couple droning, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. blasts here and there. I think there's a moment and, where he just he just plays like a single note, right? Or, yeah. And that's uh-huh. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like he has and, to and get like the, the quota the, in, you know, like there has to be one, at least yeah. one harmonica. <laughs> yeah. But it's like the shuffle of that riff is like crying out for uh like you know like boom, 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 like a blues traveler kind of like harmonica you know rhythm kind of to it and you just expect like it to launch into like a ripping harmonica solo or something like that never you know never happens it's just like very very restrained um what about the darren again as a newer listener you know how would you describe the sound of his voice here um so it it varies right it's really it's really weird for me because like obviously the voice his voice sounds aged you know i mean he he definitely i think fits the bill for a 79 year old man although he's doing much better than i would imagine probably a lot of 79 year old people right um yeah. there's there's some you know there's a little bit of familiarity but then there's moments where he like he like reaches into this like lower register you know what i mean where it, yeah it, it's like yeah. very like country or ish or something i like that it, that it kind of bothers me because it it just sounds very like when, I don't know I can't I don't know if I can like redo it but like he'll just be like <laughs> like you know he kind of <laughs> yeah, gives like yeah, a yeah. little like <laughs> certain words you know what I mean and that that really it, it's very jarring right it stands out to me every time I hear it like in almost every song yeah. there's like a couple of words that he'll just say it in a weird way yeah well, that's... W- without being like um, an expert on it I was just gonna say that. It sounds like he took some lessons from the Sinatra experiment to like croon a little bit. Do you feel that way, Dan? Yeah, yeah, a little bit because I do think his singing has gotten like better, like since, especially since like the Tempest. Um, but it, the the whole like him kind of saying words weird. That's sort of like a mainstay of this. Like, uh, you know, I, I hate kind of like the late career because like literally it's like ninety seven. That's what twenty three years or whatever. Uh, right. but you know like uh longer than most people's regular careers but um you know like since since then he's sort of had this thing like there's a famous i, I can't remember the what song it is but like on the song he says like in the status and there's like a famous uh thing where the band member said like hey you, you messed up you said status instead of shadows and he's like no you know like like status and like just refuse to redo it um it's like you know it's like sort of an inside joke in the in the dylan world but like um you know it's sort of just been a thing especially like darren you've you've seen him live once it's 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 very clear that like often he just i don't know if he forgets or he just like can't get it all out and he just sort of does uh you know good old you know and you're like yeah that was right that's what it was supposed to say uh, you just you just yeah. gotta give it to him, and it's fine. I I like his older voice. I I think it's got like a a kind of cool quality. It's like he doesn't really, you know, he gets like this Tom Waits um sort of uh right. like comparison a lot. But I, I I think it's like fairly different. He he doesn't sound like really anyone else that I can think of. I mean, he he sounds like a seventy nine year old man that's been smoking since he was a uh, fifteen or or whatever, <laughs> um, which you know yeah. is is true and. I don't know. I, I think it's cool. I, I guess I can get why like some people don't don't really enjoy it. Like like my wife hates when I listen to like later uh, Dylan records because of his voice yeah. and stuff. Um, and so maybe it's like it takes a little getting used to or something. But um, I don't know. I, I I like actually kind of enjoy it. Uh, you know, like 
I get in periods where I like I want to hear that old voice and and I do go through like you know the late records like for for those. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised actually because I like my memory of like God, what is the one I'm trying? Modern Times, for example, is like that his voice is really rough and it sounds like better here to me. Um, it's I don't know. It's got like, it does have that kind of Tom Waits quality, but it also feels like, I mean, he can like really croon sometimes Mm -hmm. like, you know, on the ballads, like I've made up my mind to give myself to you or something like it's really quite, um, quite nice. It's like quite beautiful actually. And he still has that kind of like, yeah, I think he plays with his voice. Sometimes he goes really low, but he can still go pretty high. Like in that kind of old, that old, like kind of whiny Bob Dylan style that you remember. Um, Mm -hmm. there are times, there are tracks where, we're like it's so blues that he's almost like in spoken word territory like i feel like i was listening to an audiobook Mm -hmm. or something sometimes um and you know that's kind of that presents its own challenges but um overall i would say that i was i was really like pleasantly surprised by the sound of his voice here um i want to ask you guys one thing um nick cave you know does this kind of like blog thing uh the whatever the red hand files i think it's called or something and he talked about this track and he said something like, you know, the, just the sound of his voice is like very comforting during these times, you know, that we're living in because of just like the stature of who Bob Dylan is. Did, did you guys feel comfort listening to old Bob here? I mean, I do. Uh, you know, it's like a, it, it's an, it's an old friend, like coming back, you know, giving, giving you <laughs> right. some new stories, um, you know, cause like, like, I mean, it's been eight years since we've got like a new, you know, like Bob Dylan song, um, you know, not a cover. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's nice to like have like a, a an elder statesman do, do a record that's like worth listening to. <laughs> right. And you know, it's, it's got some, 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 some nice, you know, weird stories that like, you know kind of kind of give you a little like it, it's not like giving you hope but it's i don't know maybe it's like taking your mind away from it for for a little bit or something i i, I did but you know I, i'm a i'm a bigger fan so maybe that's yeah. why yeah biased i mean what do you think darren as a more impartial judge did you feel comfort like hey it's my old friend bob <laughs> um not exactly you know um and i think we'll get into this but like the the timeliness of this record like kind of where it you know what it sounds like where it's where in you know the timeline of music i feel like it could be in a lot of different places i guess i'll just put it that way right and so i didn't interesting you know i didn't necessarily feel any like comfort and there's there was definitely times where like you just mentioned again like you can hear the sort of like classic like whiny sort of like bob dylan um voice and i would find myself wondering like man what would it have sounded like you know if he had sung it way back then you know what i mean like you know what, right and and i don't I didn't want to like drag on that too much because obviously, you know, you're just taking away from the actual record, you know. So I, I still like and found a lot of things to enjoy here, but there were definitely times where I was like almost like wanting, pulling myself to, you know, trying to avoid listening to anything older Bob Dylan stuff like that I'm more familiar with. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, I kind of wonder, just as like a side question, I mean, do you think it's even useful to relate this album to? his 60s stuff i mean it is like more than a lifetime away it's like yeah. not even the same artist right you know? no i mean yeah you're right i mean it's it's so long ago it, it's like how many like 
generations of artists have have come and gone <laughs> since like right. the, you know those records came out i mean it's really crazy i mean obviously you know he's he's the physically the same person but yeah i think you're right you know like the, these songs aren't the kind of songs he would have wrote in the 60s or or 70s or 80s you know like this this is just where he's at but i think that's what's like so so great about him you know like who else like would release an album 50 some odd years later and it's like even worth checking out you know like what's the last yeah, rolling yeah. stones record you know you, you checked out and they're, right. they're still well, releasing that's them. something i want to something i want to come back to actually and and i, I think like we you know we got to come back to the music and everything as you were alluding to darren but um you know i think first we got to talk about the lyrics and the themes here because i think it's all tied together um so darren how would you describe kind of the, the subject matter on this record well you know i think right out you know hmm, let me just uh <laughs> think about this for a second so you know right out of the gate like after like finishing the record right like just an initial kind of an impression um you know i feel like wow you really have to you, you don't have to but it's really nice to know a lot of things about pop culture over like the last like couple of decades to be able and yeah. you know beyond to be able to like grasp all of the references that you know bob dylan is doing the names that he's dropping throughout this record which i feel like you know that's kind of a thing that bob dylan has always done and i, I you yeah. know dan let me know if that changed in the later period or not but like you know obviously in his 60s records he's you know talking about shakespeare and other you know plenty of other things so yeah it basically continues that wasn't like brand time. new to yeah so it's not like brand new uh material but it seemed like it was like really upfront. you know what i mean it really seemed like there was a lot of references to very specific yeah. people like you know rolling stones the beatles of course like so many artists are like kind of name dropped in like murder most foul but like even throughout the record there's right. lyrical references he's you know borrowing names of other songs and stuff and um you know i kind of felt like wow if i didn't like if i didn't really catch any of that would you know how does that change the record for me you know what i mean if you're not like in the That's know, yeah. you know, does it, it have a major impact? But I guess, right? like, a lot of the stuff here is, like, unmissable. You know, it's, like, so... But it seems like, yeah. He's referencing stuff that's, like, so essential to, like, 20th century pop culture or something that it's, like, everybody's going to kind of know. And I think, like, just on that note, there, there's a... I guess I hesitate because with Bob Dylan, you feel like you're, he, you know, you're, you're being tricked always. I don't know, like, what, exactly what the deal too. is with that. It's even, like, just his vocal delivery. You feel like he's he's fucking with me. But... I, you can't help but feel like there is a self-reflective quality to pretty much every song here that he's like, you know, while thinking back about whatever 20th century pop culture, he's he's often thinking about like himself, his own, like the idea of Bob Dylan, you know, his career. He like references, it's so striking, right? Because he references like his own songs and stuff yeah. sometimes along with all other stuff, like as if it's not even him that made it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> Yeah. I forget which song it is when he kind of references like bringing it all back home. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like it's one of many references to lots of different artists and stuff. And it's like you know, he, you know, speaking of him not even being like the same artist anymore. I don't even know if he thinks of himself as the same artist. But yeah, I mean, what would you add to the the themes of this record? Dan? Yeah, I mean, I think what you just said is a good point. Like, remember in that uh, Rolling Thunder review movie, like when they ask him about like what he remembers, he says like that was so long ago, I wasn't even born yet. You know, which which I mean, it's <laughs> right, obviously right. like a joke, but I think it's also like, you know, he really does like feel like that. And I mean, right, what, right. what you said, I think it is true, too. Like with Dylan, it's like you you 
can never really like believe him um you know just just from the very start he's always like made up stories about himself about like his song you know like you, you he's he's the like most unreliable narrator even his like um autobiography uh he like there's portions of it that are like kind of just directly ripped off from old interviews and like even some stories that are clearly not him and stuff like you cannot even trust his memoirs um and so you know when when (laughs) when he sings a song like i contain multitudes and you know the word i is in there and and it seems like he's like you know saying all these things that like uh, obsessively are about himself but it's like always like he he could be singing about anything you know like i could be anyone and same thing with false false right, prophet right. you know like in in that song he said something like you know i'm i'm uh first among equals second to none like you could bury the rest uh whatever like you right. think like oh he's finally like realized that he is this like you know great artist but then it's like he's probably talking about some crazy folk thing from from the 1850s that i don't even know about you know it's 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 like and then but he's always been doing this you know like with blood on the tracks um you know it's like it seems very clearly about like his divorce and stuff that he's going through but but he claims that it's not it's about these like antov Chekhov short stories and stuff it's like (laughs) you, you can never like actually you know, like believe him, and, and but I think that's like such yeah, a. I yeah. mean, because on this record too, you know, with like the themes, you know, you get I contain multitudes, then false prophet, which like both sort of like sort of seem like in in that like black star kind of way where it's like about himself right, and like right. looking back at his career. But then my own version of you is like about Frankenstein. Um, but but well, then you know, can but, but like, you can you can happens. sort of like put that like okay you know that's like, what I'm saying yeah because I like I I start doing it mm-hmm. and I I don't know if I'm falling into his, his trap, trap exactly. because it's like. It seems so autobiographical. And then I start thinking of like ways to make every song about him. And some of them I'm like, I know this is a stretch, but it feels so consistent no, I, with the rest of the record. And I think the biggest trick in it is like Key West, uh, the, the penultimate song on the record. You know, he's like talking about right. this. And, and even like the, the when the record first came out, like me and my wife were listening to it. And she's like, oh, he's, he's turned into Jimmy Buffett. And now, you know, he's just singing about <laughs> how many of those Key West. And I was like, I was thinking <laughs> that too. I yeah. Too. Well, I was like, I, you know, I had already heard it. And I was like, eh, just give him a minute. Because then he like starts talking about how he was forced to marry a prostitute. And, all, and you're just like, oh, okay, he's clearly like, like this is not his him literally right, loving then, Key West, you know. Uh, it, yeah, like, like it, it if, brings if you, you like, like it's a, it's from the 1800s or some something again, you know. Yeah, but like if you go on Genius, you know, there's some like description or like some interpretation that what the prostitute he's talking about is like his relationship with Judaism, and there's like all this like you I know, mean, people do uh, this with Dylan yeah, Lyric, there's so like, much like every yeah, song yeah you that. can't genius right, you can't right. you can't believe like the you know these but it's it, it almost feels intentional that like you can make it work if you go down the path you know yeah and I think tracks. that's what what like people love so much about Dylan and I mean you know because he's he's done these songs for so long like I mean Blonde on Blonde is. 50 years old and like we still don't know what the fuck those songs are about you know what i mean it's it's like most artists aren't like that and i think like there there being so many like ways to interpret things um one like shows why he is like such a good writer noble prize winner and uh you know (laughs) right and and just even why like the songs like last and you know i mean like blonde on blonde is a a, a timeless record you know It, it it's and I think it always will be because, like, 
it's so what you know what the fuck is he talking about yeah exactly you're you're always having fun like trying to get into his head and like trying to trying to make sense of things exactly yeah ask you darren i I just i just sort of like find it somewhat problematic though right because like you know i i listen to it and i i I hardly believe anything that he's saying right like to me i i don't think he thinks that bob dylan exists in the same universe that he is talking about and singing about which seems so strange when he's like dropping all of these pop culture references but like He's it, to me. It feels like he's ignoring his own impact, which maybe is just that's his mo, which is fine. I mean, I guess. But like at this point in his career, and with all of these songs that he keeps mentioning, especially something like "Murder Most Foul," like where where is the Bob Dylan that existed post yeah, Kennedy well, assassination? And, and I, Act, I thought know? of you, Darren, because um, the song "I Contain Multitudes." I think it's like somehow in the same ballpark as. The notorious Weezer song, I am the greatest man that ever lived. Um, Which you guys hated, by the way, right? And I I don't really like it. I don't really like it, but it's a funny idea of a song. And I feel like this is almost the same idea, which is like, he's clearly like aware of his stature, you know? And yet he's kind of like, you know, it has to be like a little ironic, just the idea of him containing multitudes and stuff. And like, he's like singing as if he is the embodiment of 20th century pop culture. And he fucking is, mm-hmm. but he's like kind of ju- like saying it like as if it was a joke, you know? Yeah. But you see, you know what I'm saying, Darren, how there's like, there's a simultaneous, like, he knows, but he's also joking about it kind of a thing. Right. Like, he's not going to be serious enough to, you know, reference himself in a, in a real, like, serious way. Like, I. I understand, but, you know, at the same time, I just think that, like, when he's name-dropping, you know, co- colleagues, right, that he was, like, yeah. playing or music Yeah, he's with. like, I'm just, like, the Eagles, <laughs> you know, I don't think <laughs> yeah. he believes he's on, <laughs> on par with the, the Eagles. Eagles. <laughs> he's not that good. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Didn't write no Hotel California. Um, but, you know, I, I, like, Darren, did you pick up on this? Like, I mean, there's something just very, like, sad, I think, and moving, like, in the way that, like, Bowie's Black Star is, for example, where he seems to be having a little bit of fun with it. And yet, the, like, the idea of the song, I Contain Multitudes, just for example, seems to be, like, you know, like, just sort of an awareness of, like, I'm going to die and mm-hmm. I'm going to just disappear into the ether of pop culture. Like, the whole... Just the whole thing, all the like junk, all the high and the low, all the stuff we remember, all the stuff we forget. Like, I, you know, like the eye that contains multitudes, it might not be him. It might be like, you know, culture at large, or it might be the 20th century or something. But mm-hmm. there's still an awareness of like, one day I'm just going to be one of these like names that's like, you know, like you talk about like when you compare Indiana Jones and Anne Frank. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it seems a little problematic, right, for obvious reasons. And yet both are basically mythological figures. Like, to us now, they both are just myths that mean something to our culture. You know what I mean? And, like, Mm -hmm. there are other songs, like, you know, like Key West, for example, where it really sounds like he's just, like, embracing death or something. Like, embracing the end of Bob Dylan. Like, did you feel moved by any of this darren yeah for sure for sure and there's a lot of lyrics that seem to hint towards i mean he, he literally yeah. says i live between what do you say between life and death or something or i'm in bed with life and death you know like there's always yeah. i've already outlived my, my life, life by before. far yeah and i can't you know i can't i honestly couldn't help but think like wow you know like what if he died tomorrow like would this you know this album be truly be Don't like that black star Look, I know, <laughs> god i know but i'm just you know it just has that feeling to it where you know 
surely he's, yeah. he's he's thinking about these things. I mean, he's 79 years old. I mean, that's, you know, he's got to be thinking about surely. his own life, like literally just him dying, but also like, what does that mean? You know, what does Bob Dylan, you know, being gone actually mean, you know? But yeah, yeah. I, I definitely, like, I definitely liked a lot of that. And like Mother of Muses, it, you know, seems to be talking about like, you know, just this idea of getting inspiration and stuff like that. And, um, and and a little bit about like letting go of that like will to keep making stuff or making art and it ends with this line like i'm traveling light and i'm a slow coming home both are like all of those words are you know possibly taken from leonard cohen songs including i'm traveling light which is from his last album you want it darker and it's like i mean it's got to be intentional right like so what I wanted to kind of turn to is like, it's, be- it's sort of become a thing, right? Like this kind of final statement, sure. you know, starting with Bowie's black star, you know, immediately followed by Leonard Cohen's, you want it darker. You could even kind of group like Nick Cave's skeleton tree and Ghostine in there because they're, they're not about his, you know, death, but about his sons and just kind of this like self-reflective thing. I mean, are you buying this stuff, Dan? Like he's he's sort of saying goodbye in a lot of these songs. Or are you just like not believing anything? I mean, obviously, obviously, he's seventy nine. I think I think when you're seventy nine, you you got to know that like you, you're over the hump. You know, you're you're over halfway, definitely. Uh, you know, like right, right. It's a downward slide. So I mean, I think like it would be. I mean, I, I think like any sort of art you do, you know, that's got to be on your mind at, at something. But I mean, it's just also. I mean, people like when Time Out of Mind came out, like it, it was released right after I told you he had that like weird disease and um, and uh, and almost died. Um, but and so everybody thought, you know, everybody like dug into these lyrics and they found like, oh, you know, he's he's really like coming to grips with his mortality. Uh, you know, there, there's right. a, there's a song on it called "Trying to Get to Heaven." Um, you know, all these things and like in that context, you're like, yeah, yeah, he definitely was. But then you. you if you actually like find out about it, he recorded all these songs like months before he had this illness and, and everything, right. you know, it's completely like just coincidental. Um, so, I mean, again, with Dylan, it's like, you could never like, you, I mean, you know, but it's not like Bowie was the most, you know, autobiographical, you know, uh, songwriter ever or anything, but it's like, I, I trust him more, you know, like, like on black star, like I, and I mean, of course, like him actually dying, like it certainly helps, but, uh, you know, <laughs> Confirms, like, yeah. but, you know, but it, it's like, I, I have an easier time believing him where it's like Dylan, Dylan, I think is like the only artist or one of the only ones that like, if you hear it from his own mouth, that makes you believe it, you know, less, <laughs> you know, like, right, like right. he he doesn't like really solve these mysteries about himself. Um, and I, I think like so much to him, like, I, I think like Bob Dylan is like a character to hit you know like i i don't think like yeah yeah bob dylan is a real person you know that like exists um and so i, I don't know it's like is it the, the character of dylan is it you know robert zimmerman is it like it's so right, like right I, I don't know it's like so hard do, to like to, to get a grip on him do you think that he feels any like sort of responsibility to say something about it though like think of, I, was, I was just thinking about like how many artists like never made it this far right like didn't mm-hmm. even get right. 39 albums in or anything like that and now that he is here and he's at the tail end i mean he just he has to be is I, there it's like weird this, right like, because I, like do i have to I say think, something i think this is like becoming a thing because it's like 
you know, we are actually just for the very first time entering the era where mm-hmm. all of these 60s icons are going to die. And yeah. Yeah. I think Bowie kind of kicked it off. And I think from then on, it was always going to be like, we are going to expect you to like say goodbye or something. Like yeah. it's, it's like totally morbid and crazy, but it's like, I, I you know, you meant you joked about the Rolling Stones, right? I, I would not, it would not surprise me at all at this point if like, the Rolling Stones drop like kind of one last album when they're like actually hanging it up or somebody's like already passed away or something mm-hmm. like that. Like we're going to expect it kind of, and they might even like expect that they ought to say goodbye in some way, you know? Yeah. I just, I mean, Dylan just seems like the kind of person, I mean, again, you know what you know of him. He he just doesn't seem like, he seems like a guy who does whatever the fuck he wants. If he wants to make, you yeah. know, uh, five discs worth of Sinatra covers, like he's going to make five discs of Sinatra covers. If he wants to do a Christmas album, you know, he, he's going to do it. He just doesn't seem like, I mean, even even from the beginning, you know, like going electric and, and all this stuff, you know, self-portrait, you know, all these things. Like he just seems like a, a, a guy who like truly is an artist and like if if it's what he wants to do he's gonna do it you know um so yeah i also I, think I, he has like a long history of having a slightly antagonistic relationship with his listeners you know where it's yeah, like yeah he definitely. is prodding us and he is trolling us and all that stuff um but i i just was like struck listening to this album you know you start with i contain multitudes and false prophet they both have this like nod and a wink to them and mm-hmm. you know then you you know you get on and you're like okay there's like the frankenstein song and stuff there's you know like i've made up my mind to give myself to you like it works as just a straight love song in the classic dylan tradition and yet it could also kind of work as like a him saying goodbye kind of a thing yeah. but then like by the time you get to key west and stuff i'm like I just feel like, you know, theory confirmed, like he is talking about his fucking <laughs> self because he's gotten like, he's not even joking anymore. You know what I mean? Like by those last couple of songs, it seems so sincere almost compared to the kind of like not in a wink that was earlier. Yeah. It's just, again, like, I mean, it, maybe it's 50 years of, uh, of like him, him lying to, to me, but you know, it's like, I just have like such a hard <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah. Like. I, fool me I, once, I just feel like he fool me thirty nine times. <laughs> yeah, you can't Shame get fooled again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just like I, I, I just feel like he, he's, he has this like long tradition of like. I mean, even he, he even claims like some of his like biggest like you know quote unquote like protest songs were actually about the Civil War. Like he he says that like a lot of <laughs> yeah, a lot of that yeah. stuff. He, he was talking about the Civil War, and then like when you when you come in with that context and you listen to it, it's like. Yeah, I guess he could be talking about the Civil War, but it's like also he could be <laughs> right, talking right. about, you know, civil rights movement, you know, at the same time. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And it's just like so hard to like actually like, I mean, even like blowing in the wind, it's like that very clearly is about like the, you know, civil rights movement, but also, you know, the cannonballs fly and stuff. You know, it's like it, there's always like this, yeah, it, the, yeah. you know, this like little it's almost like the dog whistles, you know, like, like Dylan's doing, you know, not racist dog whistles where he, he's, he, you know, he always gives himself that little out where it's like, Oh yeah, it could be about Chekhov, you know, short stories. It could be about yeah, the civil yeah. war. It could be about this, you know, like th- there's very few songs, you know, like lonesome death of Hattie Carroll is like one of the only ones. It's like very clearly about like a real event. That's like in the newspaper that you, uh, you know, yeah, can look yeah. up and, and, and know about, you know, I mean, on this record you know like crossing the rubicon i think like like that could be about like you know some old general but also i mean you know it, it there, there's things in it that like very much 
seem autobiographical and stuff. It's just like so much you can't, you just can't know. And then I think something like Black Rider, like, I mean, that song seems like, I, I feel like there's almost like a medieval quality to it. Like, um, yeah. is it a bard that, uh, that like, who, who's like the, you know, the, the, in movies and stuff, like the guy who like walks around with like the loot and like kind of tells a story. Yeah, yeah the bard. bard yeah, yeah, like yeah. It, it very much like is like a, a bard like sort of song. You know, it's even like a strum of a chord, you know, says a little bit of a poem, a strum yeah, of a chord. Yeah, with like a little mandolin or something is like a very like good instrument for that kind of a style exactly you know it it like feels sort of like not about him or of this time or century or you know well maybe let even me, millennial. That's a good, good transition point um i want to ask like how relevant this album is to today both musically and thematically i think we could start with like kind of the music side you alluded to this earlier darren but like you know i'm wondering specifically about like like to me this music sounds ancient you know what i mean like does it sound to you like it has anything to say about today or what i mean i i don't really think it does you know like um you know i did an experiment i told you guys with my gen z son with like a 100 gex (laughs) and you know turns out he likes it so we listened to a little bit of this and i mean he couldn't have like been you know more focused on his phone or whatever you know to, uh, to not even like be paying attention or thinking that this <laughs> was, telling me it's on my I, shit I, list <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah i you know i hesitated to ask like hey do you think this was like when do you think this was released like how old do you think this is or something and yeah, i yeah. you know i'm sure he would have he would never have guessed that this was like an album that came out this year you know what i mean right well i wonder like dan what do you think like when he does these kind of like you know there's been some complaints like about some of these blues songs are like, like, what do you do with that? It's like just a very standard, like kind of blues thing. I mean, do you feel like he's doing something with like the blues format? Like, or, or he just, he just likes blues and he's just still doing it after all these years. I think it's like a little bit like he just likes blues. And like, I, I feel like a lot like with him, it's like, these are songs that, that he wanted to hear, you know, or something and likes the blues. He's, he's you know, make it a song about jimmy reed you know but i also i think like he does do something to you know it's not just like you know it's not like oh you should just go listen to jimmy reed instead and, and hear the same kind of thing you know it's like he, he everything on this record there's like and i think it's like this atmosphere and, and everything like we've talked about like it's always like something like a little weird like you you've watched twin peaks like you know in the in the latest season like how it ends with like a a band playing in like the the bang bang bar like every every episode like this this whole like record um feels like very like sort of twin peaks ish like it's got like a a lynch like it's like it's normal but it's like you know, you know, you know, like Al Lynch, it'll be like a, it'll be like a, a normal a detached, setting, like a but like, yeah, but there's just like, you're distant from it. It's just the way people say something or, or there'll just be like one sort of thing in the room that's, that's not right. And like, I feel like this record is, is very that, you know, it's, it's well, very th- Lynchian. My, Lynchian. My, my, my theory is like, um, you know, that he's that that he wants it to sound old honestly like mm-hmm. i really believe that because you think about like how soft and you know we were talking about like how how just like soft and like you know subdued everything is and it's also very like dry i think overall like some of these like little guitar licks and stuff they have just like no sustain on them at all like no reverb they're yeah. just very very plucky 
you know? Even the bass has kind of like a dull thud to it. And I just feel like, you know, this kind of music, I mean, the blues is like a hundred fucking years old by now. And it's like, I think he just has this awareness on this record of like the music that I make that I grew up on, it it's extinct. You know what I mean? And like this record sounds extinct. Like it just sounds like you're listening mm-hmm. to like a, a dinosaur or something. I mean, even the way he sings, I just feel like that was intentional. Am I being like a conspiracy nut, Darren? Or do you think there's any like commentary on what he's doing in that way? No, I mean, I, I think that you're spot on. I mean, if Bob Dylan is deciding to, you know, after all these years, write a song specifically about the Kennedy assassination from 1963, right? And then go on to name drop a bunch of like cultural you know <laughs> artists right from from decades and decades ago like he's just that's just that's just that's his mo right like that's not shocking to me anyway right these are the things that he's you know he he seems like and dan let me know but like he seems like the kind of person who's just been consuming and consuming you know ever since the beginning right you know reading and other music and all this sort of stuff and so he just uses all of that that's that's just what he i, is I think with, that's you know I think that's a great point. And, and especially in his later career, there's been all these like allegations of like um, sort of like plagiarism and stuff. But I think it's like he, he's become this person who is like a songbook, you know, like he, he's he's absorbed like so much of this like, you know, ancient like, I, you know, I use the word ancient, but like like blues, like you said, like some of that stuff's 100 years old, like literally, you know, he's just like absorbed it all. And and, you know, he, he quotes like books all the time and stuff and it's just like i i it doesn't feel like like plagiary it, it just feels like uh you know, like uh, i don't know like recitation or something it's like it's it's just like it, it's it has become like yeah. him you know he's like become right so right and culture. his lyrics there's right so many of his lyrics he's like quoting other songs but like they mm-hmm. they weave so seamlessly with his own original lyrics you know what i mean that like of course you exactly you catch the reference but it also just like flows into like this is just a dylan thing you know what i mean like yeah exactly it's like it's it's like you don't have to know the reference like like it's not like the song's not enjoyable if you don't realize that he's he's quoting i mean like the music from false prophet um like uh is based on uh like some folk song from 1954 blues song from 1954 it's like yeah i didn't really know that until i read it you know and i enjoyed the song i still enjoy it and but that's like a cool you know that it's almost like sampling you know it's it's like it it becomes like really interesting to see like these obscure like references and 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 um you know influences yeah. and, and it, it kind of sounds like that even if you didn't know that yeah like, exactly it like like it's not a surprise yeah exactly but uh, you know i just think of like you know i mentioned earlier like like if when you're just like you know um crossing the rubicon like if bb king did this track or like eric clapton did this track you know like i said it, w- it would launch into some like solo yeah. fireworks <laughs> you know what i mean like a couple times and it, it it never does and i just felt like you know it felt like a choice to me and it was just like if you did that, it would it would sound too alive, you know, like too full of life to actually like start shredding or, you know, because he's got these like probably I don't know who they are, but he's probably got some like young, fully capable studio musicians like who could rip a fucking crazy solo, you know, but he he wants it to sound a little dead, I think. And like, you know, you think about a song like Goodbye, Jimmy Reed, like he's literally saying goodbye to the music mm-hmm. that he that he not only grew up on, but that he like considers himself a part of. And so I just feel like 
whether or not he keeps up with popular music i found myself wondering like does he know like what's been going on like does he look you know does he read pitchfork does he like you know probably not but <laughs> listen to big 100, 100 gex but yeah <laughs> yeah did he, did he check that out you know <laughs> maybe not but i think he he really realizes that he is like no longer you know he's very like uh far away from what is happening now um i wanted to bring up you know i think this is sort of a weird thing to do but bring up like the present political moment right because obviously we've got like covid going on we've got like blm protests going on we've got like Trump going on perpetually. I saw some like genius annotations that were like trying to say that Black Rider is like about Trump. And I fully understand like the desire to do that. You know, I don't, I don't think it's in there really, but like the desire to like, what the fuck does Dylan have to say about Trump? You know, but um, it's, there, there was this interesting article I linked you guys to. I don't know if you got a chance to read it, but it's by Chris Richards, uh, sort of a review for the Washington Post. And it was like a weirdly, one of the few like weirdly negative um, reviews, but like not fully negative, but kind of, but it was like sort of proposing that, you know, that maybe like, like basically history has decided that when Dylan went electric, he was booed by all these like really like folk purists, you know, who really saw him as a voice of a generation, felt like his political works were really important and motivating and history has kind of decided that those people were like sort of prudes, you know, like they mm-hmm. just didn't get it. And he was moving on and doing his own thing, you know. And we now live in an era where like protest music is back, baby. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> that is what is in again. And like this socially conscious kind of like singing about something bigger than you, giving people something to latch on to, you know, is like the goal. Um it makes for a very interesting listening experience to listen to Dylan in the midst of that, you know, because like he kind of has come to, to define like individualism or like anti-political music even. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you check that out, Darren? Did you feel any of that sort of like weird anachronism of listening to Dylan in the middle of the resurgence of protest music? Well, yeah. And I, and I read the article, which I thought was, you know, pretty, pretty interesting. Um, you know, it, it it's really difficult, right? Because I sort of get it. Like, I, it seems like if, you know, I'm just looking at it from like a macro scale, right? Like Bob Dylan, he, you know, he tried, right? I mean, he was writing, you know, protest music. I mean, that's, you know, that's how people interpreted it anyway. And then at some point it was just like, well, maybe this is not, you know, there's like a quote in there, right? Where he says like, um, you can't save the world with songs or something like that. I tried that and, um, right, right. he moves on and, and does other things and creates, you know, it, it, ha- it still has an impact on culture and it still has an impact on people. It's not necessarily Bob Dylan giving us the things that we need to be thinking about and the things we need to be going to rallies and shouting about. Right. Um, so it is, you know, and and I've sort of let that go. That that part of like Bob Dylan, I just don't really look at him as like a he's a protest artist. You know what I mean? Um, right. And so hearing him in today's world, you know, with all the stuff that's going on, and him not, you know, specifically commenting on it, right? Like with a with a song or two or something here, doesn't really bother me because um, I just don't yeah. See but him it's as not even that he's not a protest artist. It's that he is the most famous rejector of yeah. protest music you yeah. know what i mean dan like it, it does create a weird listening experience i think yeah of course i mean you know he he 
have this period of of protest songs and then i mean it sort of he he sort of resurges with it a little bit you know hurricane is is very much a, a protest song yeah, yeah. um 78 he has like a, a single that didn't like make a record called george jackson that's a that's a similar to like hurricane you know in a protest way um but then yeah i mean he, he's basically like hasn't done it since and i mean i i think it's fine you know i i, I don't know that we need to hear what what Dylan has to say about Trump and stuff. I, th- I think you 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 know he's not he's not for it. <laughs> you know, I, I you know, um, yeah. I, I, we don't know when this was recorded, um, but I would assume it was before COVID. Um, it was probably before you know, like the latest Black Lives uh, right, Matter, right. you know, movements and stuff. Um, he did like say something about it in, in the interview he did for this record. But that's the thing too. He doesn't even like do interviews anymore. Like like this interview he did uh, when this record came out uh, for the New York Times, that was the first interview not on his own website for like many, many years. Um, you know, he just like... I know, but like it's it's crazy because like today, you know, we live in this like era where... Like, if you have a platform, mm-hmm. you are considered kind of, like, complicit unless you use it to speak out. You know what I mean? Like, this, is, I just feel this like has become the thing. He's he's done his work, you know? Like, I, I, I don't feel like you could yeah. fault him, you know? I mean, he, he literally I guess opened it's, it's for not like, the I Have a Dream speech, you know? He, he I think he's, he's right. put his work in. <laughs> it's not like, a I think, about Dylan specifically, but I just thought, like, this article raised such an interesting point, which is, like, Dylan sort of, like, he sort of epitomizes like the boomer ethos, which I think is like very under attack now. And it was like a very individualist thing, like anti-collectivism. And it was kind of like, a, you know, I just think about stuff like, you know, like the Beatles, you know, it's like during the Vietnam War era, everybody's like, you know, what, what do the Beatles think? What do the Beatles think? And they, and they like would joke, you know what I mean? Like, the, yeah, like a yeah. revolution, like when you talk about revolution, you know, you can count me in, out. You know, like they refused to answer and that kind of became badass. You know what I mean? I remember as a, as a young person listening to this music and thinking like, man, like the people who just like refused to engage were way cooler. You know what I mean? And now I think culture thinks that that's actually really not cool compared to actually speaking out. Um, I think about, I mean, it's like a weird thing to come to my mind, but like think about like South Park, you know, how like the ethos of the show South Park is to kind of make fun of like every political position. Like, yeah how stupid how stupid it is to tie yourself to any one thought and i feel like that just like kind of sums up like the last 60 years and now dylan drops this album where he's still just kind of like really just kind of concerned with himself and his own thoughts and playing with his audience and making fun puzzles and jokes and stuff and like it's just so weird that it dropped when it did. I, I just think it's like it draws into stark contrast how much things have changed. Yeah. And it kind of makes it a cooler album, like a more interesting album. It makes it sound even more ancient, like I was saying. No, I, I agree with that. And I, I think it like sort of works to his credit, you know, because it, it gives it like this timeless quality because it, it like it like truly feels time, you know, like this. I mean, obviously, you know, it. It, it being Bob Dylan is one thing, but if if this was just a record by you know some guy that that you got found, you wouldn't know if this was made fifty years ago, today, you know, ten years from now, you know, it like really like it, it it's it, it feels so old that it's like it could be anything, you know, and I I, I think that like him doing, you know, when you, when you tie yourself to something, um, it, it, you know, it it can it can very easily get like um outdated. 
And I mean, his protest stuff from the 60s like isn't outdated in any way. But I mean, I guess maybe like I, I a guess, lot of that stuff is from that era. Just yeah. So dated. I think now. like it, it just one, it speaks to Dylan like being so good. And I think like a lot of the stuff he talks about, you know, like he doesn't really like say you know he doesn't have a song like vietnam's a, a bad idea you know it's always like through this lens of you know like i said like he, the civil war or like you know it's like making a comparison to something that is like so old that it that it's like it, it, it works forever um you know or talking just about like you know like civil rights and stuff like unfortunately like it's still something we we like deal with and and probably always would deal with so you know like i think it's more like overtly um, protesty things like uh, uh, feature that a lot, and and that that has you know much more staying power than you know speaking about a specific president or a, a specific. Yeah, you know, but some would say it is uh, it is selfish to care about your artistic like timelessness over you know the urgency of the moment. I mean, it's an interesting like word they use, timeless, Dan. I wonder what you think, Darren. Like when you listen to this album, do you think timeless or old? Mm. Um, wow, that's a good question. Um, I probably lean a bit more towards old. Um, and I think that's kind of why it's easy to draw comparisons to like Dylan's older records, right? Because as I stated at the very beginning of this, like there is some familiarity here and that familiarity is that it's, it sounds old, right? And that the, you know, themes and the, the lyrical content is not, you know, talking about the bigger world issues that are going on right now. And of course, like you mentioned, Dan, the, you know, this record was written, you know, kind of probably well before any of that stuff really started to, you know, explode. But either way, it is like here and it's now. And just like you mentioned, Gabe, if you're not using your platform or, you know, tweeting and, and kind of like taking your taking a side, taking a stand you know, then you're not a part of the moment. Right. And so this sort of exists yeah. outside of that, it feels like. Yeah, and I think he's always wanted to be outside of the moment, and yeah. that's that's like not cool anymore. And I, I just wonder, like, I mean, what effect do you think this will have on the legacy of Bob Dylan? Because it's like, you know, we I think we just assume probably because of how history went before that, like, protest music will be a like a short lived kind of maybe fad even, and that we might go back to a Dylan style thing. In which case, like, Dylan is fine, but. Um, I mean, maybe if you think about it, like protest music, you know, go, I mean, it goes all the way back to like Woody Guthrie and even before that, you know, like a lot of that kind of like folky, like far left stuff of the of the like mid 20th century, um, which Dylan sort of first rises out of, you know, what if like protest music is here to stay for a long time? I mean, what will it be like listening to Dylan's electric period when he said like, fuck protest music? I mean, I think it's just so ingrained in like culture that it's like it's like saying you know, Shakespeare plays are out, you know, they, they used to be cool, <laughs> right. but it's like, you know, people still read it, you know, I, and I, I really do. I mean, I know I'm like a, you know, huge Dylan Stan and stuff, but I really do believe that he is like uh, one of, if not like the most important, like artists, writers of this century. And like, I, I think like the history will always like remember that, you know, I, I really do think that like the way we remember Mozart or Beethoven and stuff, you know, like that, that's like the way Dylan will be remembered. Um, so I, I don't think yeah. like, it, I mean, will this record, you know, I, I mean, are people going to be 
oh, you got, I mean, rough and rowdy ways might just be like the one once you get real into them, you know, oh, it's the later one you got to check out. You know, I don't think this is going to be like a record that's everybody's got to hear for the rest of time. But, you know, I, I think like him as, as a whole will be. Yeah. I mean, things just change. I just imagine like a Gen Zer reading like, uh, you know, Ker- Kerouac and be like, okay, so this like, privileged ass white dude just went down to mexico and like just fucked around for like a couple months like how you know yeah i get that (laughs) no i get that but it's still like academia still like realizes why there's merit in it i mean they're opening a a bob dylan museum uh next year Mm. um which if they're listening if they'd like to hire me uh, popshield at, <laughs> at gmail.com very very knowledgeable I would, I would imagine Dan take, just taking people on tours like just oh, talking through I love it I love it these are Dylan's shoes never threw them at the crowd no he never did never played guitar behind his head either <laughs> no no um yeah any thoughts on that before we move on Darren about like how what will even classic Dylan sound like in the future I I sort of tend to agree with with Dan's assessment that like Bob Dylan will sort of, you know, remain timeless and remain something that, you know, people will always, you know, new generations that are looking to really discover music of the past will inevitably come across the same way they'll Mm -hmm. come across the Beatles and, and, you know, plenty of other artists, regardless of what the situation of the moment is, because, you know, and I just think of it in terms of like my own trajectory, right? Going from the things I was listening to in high school until now, there's only a few um, artists and music that have like sort of just crossed through that. And, you know, Bob Dylan is certainly one of those, right? And Bob Dylan, you know, his, and, I, and I'm really, I'm speaking really just about the, the music that I'm most familiar with from the 60s, um, you know, there's still so much to like uncover and learn and like come back to it that it almost never feels like you're, you're quite tired of it. Right. Um, yeah. And there's so, there's only a few artists I think that kind of reach that level. And I think Bob Dylan is most certainly going to always be there. Yeah. And you know, I I do feel like these are things that he is maybe thinking about on some of the lyrics here. Like we were saying, like the idea of he is going to just kind of disappear into the ether. I mean, he's like a figure that looms over the 20th century and he always will. Yeah. Um, for people studying it and wanting to know more about it but it's like yeah he might just kind of like fade you know just be like another indiana jones or Anne frank or <laughs> you know whatever um i want to get to you know i was going to m- mention like can we talk about some highlights we didn't talk that much about but i think the obvious one we haven't talked that much about is murder most foul um my first question is why is it on its own disc I don't know. I mean, because the record in totality is only like 70 minutes. And what yeah. is it, 80 minutes if it's on a CD? Um, yeah. 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 So, I mean, it, it's like clearly within the thing. I, the, the cynical person in me uh, says it's like to get it on the charts because when, um, when you have a double <laughs> album, it, it's twice as many sales. Um, but also, oh, wow. I mean, maybe it's, uh, it's, 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 Oh, to separate it in some sense. I mean, because um, right, you know, right. you talked a little bit about Ghost Teen earlier. That that record also would fit on one disc, but it's two it's discs. True. But I think it's like very clearly like separated for a reason. You know, like the first disc is like one you know part of the story, and the second yeah, disc is like the next. The children and the parents, exactly. But here, I mean, besides it being really long, it doesn't really seem like it's it's in. Uh, you know it's like oh we're going into something different here you know 
I, I don't know. I, I honestly kind of think it's like maybe they wanted to get him a, a, a number one. Like, I, I see that yeah, being, I it's, I, it feels I, like I a end. record label decision. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like it's a record label would, uh, if they had, you know, clout over Bob Dylan, they would not let him release like a Sinatra just, covers. Yeah, but that's true. <laughs> it, it's like, it's, you know, on one hand, I, I personally need a break <laughs> before launching into this song. So it's like, it gives me the permission to like pause. Yeah. You know, what I, when I'm doing my full listen through. But what, what's your theory, Darren? Like, why is this on its own disc? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think that it, you know, there's there's uh, kind of like a story, obviously, a very specific story wanting for it to be told in a certain way. You know, I think having it released so far ahead of like even what even before the album was announced. Right. Correct, um, right. Almost makes you feel like what was this even meant to be on the record or something? Um you know, it, it seems that I think he, I think putting it on its own disc really means, Hey, this needs to be recognized as its own piece and not necessarily the last track of rough and rowdy ways, even though that's what it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah I get yeah. you. Cause I mean, he very easily could have put another track or two or three tracks, you know, and, and split the, the album that way if he wanted to, but he didn't. Right. You know? Yeah. Right. I mean, I feel like the first, you know, whatever tracks before this, they work like a full, fully fleshed out album. I think Key West has like a very closer quality to it. It's like, that's true. It's almost like orchestrated almost. It's got like the backing vocals and it's got like the organ and stuff. And it's like, um, it, it's just like a very ethereal kind of like closing thing. And then Murder Most Foul manages to like out closer Key West by yeah. being like even more ethereal with like just cello, like this really elegaic piano and stuff. Um, these like kind of beautiful instrumental swells, um, you know, very spoken word, um, obviously like just a huge, you know, it feels like this grand topic, um, almost like the death of the 20th century or something. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, I, it just sort of like works, I think to like sort of stop for a second and then like launch into this more like a coda than the last song on the album. Um, I wonder what you guys make of the subject matter. I saw some funny, you know, like arguments on Rate Your Music, the comment section about like, you know, people being like, why is he writing this tribute to a war criminal, like asshole president, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And like oh my God. other people being like, if you think the song is like about Bob Dylan thinking like, wow, it really sucked when JFK died. Like, <laughs> you know, you're, you're being a little surface level with it. Um, but I, I, it's a weird, weird song, right? Because it's like kind of, you know, part of my theory is that like Dil this is the first song that Dylan is absent from, I think. He's sort of like I don't know what the perspective of the song is and it seems to change, but it's right. like he's narratively narrating, it, it changes, yeah. It's so he, weird. He's like narrating this incident, um, you know, the death of JFK from like as if he from the perspective of history or something, he will kind of like switch into the people that may have killed JFK. I don't, I also wonder what you guys think about the conspiracy stuff. Like, does Dylan really believe that he will switch into the perspective of JFK himself? Right. Like mm -hmm. Dylan is, doesn't seem to even really sing here. I mean, what, what do you guys make of that? That sort of divides it from the 
album which feels pretty autobiographical in some ways yeah i do i do agree like this one i mean even if you're if you're just believing you know dylan you know there there is no i i feel like in this song uh in fact like it's like he's even sort of strangely like absent because you know when he's like talking to wolfman jack and like requesting these songs you know he's 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 going through like the the 20th century and he one of the biggest artists is is absent you know like he you know he doesn't he doesn't request until until he requests murder most foul foul, yeah exactly (laughs) which is like super crazy and meta and stuff but but yeah i mean i think you're right you know i i think he like himself is like absent in this song and maybe that's a reason for it to be on its own disc but um i mean i just thought it was like this was kind of like you know if key west is him actually going to the metaphorical key west of death and passing into the multitudes um on the 14th day of the most dangerous month of the year <laughs> um then this is like the afterlife this is like the 20th century after dylan or something like looking back on it all and like looking at this like pivotal event and how the 20th century seemed to kind of like spill out of it just like even the instrumental it just feels like the flowing of time or something and yet it's like mm-hmm. a little oh, yeah it's a little destabilized because like some of the songs he requests are like from pre JFK's assassination and stuff like that. And it's like, it just feels like that event is like, I think Nick cave said, it's like a black hole that like sort of threatens to swallow up everything else. I mean, what, yeah. What do you make of like kind of the narrative of this song, Darren? Well, I had a quick question for Dan. So, so is Bob Dylan never written a song directly about like the Kennedy assassination, like ever? Uh, he mentions JFK in um, one song on another side of Bob Dylan, but it's a it's actually a joke about boners. Um, it's a, <laughs> I shall be free. Um, it literally is a boner joke. That's the only time he's directly talked about JFK before. <laughs> it just seems so strange that for him being like a storyteller and everything to not have already you know yeah, covered this ground it. at some point, right? But um. Yeah, it's it's such a interesting song. Like I just kept on listening to it and like the change of perspectives and trying to like figure figure out, you know, wh- whoever this voice is, whoever this narrator is, like what is their take on it? And you know, I guess ultimately I pretty much agree with what you were saying, Gabe, that it's just sort of like it's just looking at this as like a pivotal moment in history and that you know, something happened changed right like everything was sort of like this is like a huge moment right but there's no like uh conclusion as to like okay here's why things changed or here's what happened because of this like there's not like a uh a clear explanation to it you know It, it kind of just shifts into you know some sort of historical walk through the 20th century just like he had mentioned um you know, and, and I think I think walking away from the song, like the la- the only thing I really think about is that, like, yeah, I mean, this was like a huge moment, and we'll never really know. We'll never really know what would have happened had this not happened, right? We're only mm-hmm. we're left with exactly what the reality is that he was assassinated, and it kind of like there was a shift in in culture basically after that, and we'll never know what could have been, you know. Yeah, it's it's weird because I saw some like accusations on these radio music reviews and stuff of like 
this is just boomer nostalgia, you know? And like <laughs> I mentioned earlier, how like the kind of boomer ethos that Bob Dylan is so integral to is like so out of style right now. And, you know, we even joked last, a, a couple episodes ago about like, you know, a hundred gecks. And I think the idea of like making satirical music now, and it's like hard because you can't even imagine like having faith in any institution or something. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Like, yeah. I think I was joking about like, like learning that boomers actually trusted the government is like really hard for me to understand. But, you know, I, I wonder if you guys think of this song as nostalgic. Like, is that what it is? I mean, it's like, can nostalgia be like, it, it, I feel like it's it's like looking back, which I guess like that's nostalgia, but it, it's sort of like in a, almost like a, a negative way. Like it, it doesn't feel like, oh man, you remember like back when everything was great, you know, JFK was present, you know, it doesn't feel like that at all. Right. It, it sort of feels like, you know. I don't know, I mean, but then there's lines like, you know, uh, the age of the Antichrist is, has only just begun, which does sort of feel like, you know, like that's the beginning of the end or whatever, Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. which does hit reek of nostalgia a little bit, but I don't know, it, it's just so, you, you know, you know what song like it reminds me of, um, you know, that like shitty ass song, American Pie, which is like. It's, yeah, sort of, it's sort right. of like a it's like a nostalgic look back at like the but buddy holly and and yeah, you know the the big the bopper yeah exactly yeah the day the music died um like this feels like a similar like sort of like exercise but like i mean done much much better but you know like like that that song like sort of the american pie like goes through like a, you know it's it's full of all these like cultural reference weirdly a lot of them about bob dylan um <laughs> and it's also a really long song and then you know here he he's doing sort of like the same thing it's like it, it, the focus is on like a, a big death that like sort of changed culture you know with jfk and then him like literally like listing cultural references for 10 minutes um yeah, you know yeah. in in the guise of like you know speaking to 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 like a a radio host um so it, it like just really re- reminds me of like that song and that song I think like is like pure nostalgia like in a you know weren't things better back then kind of way whereas like this I don't feel yeah, like it's just, I, this this song it almost it even feels, feels like, like descriptive yeah it, it, it like, or it's just happened. like everything it, like it's always sucked or something you know like almost yeah, even yeah. you know like I, I don't know th- I don't, this I track about like th- this track is like yeah. one of the ones that felt like the most like kind of David Lynch to me you know it's, it's like you're, you're being told this story that yeah, you know is a yeah. real story but it's like it's just slightly weird enough like like you said like the the it, it, the time like feels like kind of ethereal in it and stuff and like it, that's that's how like you know Twin Peaks feels to me yeah it just feels like pretty detached I think like it's just like mm-hmm. this is a thing that happened and like all this other stuff happened because that happened it doesn't feel like to me like any kind of judgment no exactly it. um like these comments about it being like a you know loss of innocence and like degradation starting and stuff like that they don't feel like they're coming from dylan it just feels like yeah it's people assigning that yeah and you know i just i just like kept thinking like probably in like 50 years or something somebody i was trying to think of like what would be the funniest thing like like who, who will be like our 80 year old like icon of the early 2000s like the strokes or something are writing their <laughs> rough and rowdy ways and um they'll they write some 17 minute song about like how 9-11 changed everything and like whatever whatever generation like was or is around then will be like 
this is so fucking lame. Like, don't act like everything was perfect before 9-11, you know? And it'll be like, I know it's hard for you to, like, understand, but it, it it's not did, that everything yeah. was perfect. It it just really changed, like, everything. It, li- like, it literally is everything. like a switch is flipped, you know? Like, you, you... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, like, literally... I mean, I, I turned 14 that day, and I, like, literally think of life as like oh you know that well that was pre-9-11 you know like when when you talk about <laughs> right, like right. somebody doing something like well they, that happened because it was pre-9-11 and i mean and I, I was fairly young you know um yeah i think that is like such a hard thing to to realize um because yeah i mean i i never knew jfk not being assassinated and and you know none, right. none of us did and i i think it is like sort of hard to like it, it i think it, it does feel like Oh, people think like, oh, everything was was you know peaches and cream before such and such an event. But yeah, it's not like that. Like, yeah, before nine eleven, you know, everything wasn't perfect, but it was certainly different than than it is now. Yeah, what do you think about that comparison, Darren? Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty pretty spot on, you know. And I, I too kind of like think of things in terms of like a pre nine eleven and a post nine eleven. It's it's that moment, I guess, that we'll have in our lives where we'll just kind of always know. Hey, you know, I know exactly where I was at and, you know, mm-hmm. what I was doing when that happened. I'll never forget. Right. Um, and so I, again, I go back to the idea that like the song is not trying to say it, it doesn't feel nostalgic at all for me. Right. It just, it just seems like a, you know, a pivotal moment in history. And then all of these songs, all of these references, you know, even the ones that happened before the assassination changed, right? Like they they were somehow impacted or living in the yeah, shadow yeah. of this major moment in history. And there's no escaping that. And that's just the song is just kind of like, you know, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. It's a I think that's a foul, great point. Right? You know, like like that event can change like a song that already existed. You know, like there's that famous list of like songs that got banned from the radio, you know, after 9-11 happened <laughs> right, and stuff. Right. Because like even though none of those were like directly referencing 9-11 cause they had already been out, but like, yeah, it, it, that event can like change the meaning of it. I, I think that I hadn't thought of that. I think that's, that's like really uh good there. Um, but I just, this song, I think this song is like fantastic. Like I, I absolutely love it. I think it's like top tier Dylan track, you know, did, did you guys like actually, you know, just as a song, enjoy it at all? I mean, to me, this was like, this kind of sums up my feelings about the like record overall, which we can slowly start transitioning to. But it was like, when it came to this song, I would kind of like have this record on all week and I would be like pretty bored. And then I did my first like full listen reading along to the lyrics. And I thought it was like, just great, you know? And then I listened like some more. And again, I would just be like checking how much long, how much longer was on this song, you know? And then I did like another full lyric read through and stuff. And I was like, wow, this song is fucking awesome. And I just found myself like really doubting the replayability of this album. And like, how good can an album be if I must be sort of listening to it like an audiobook to enjoy it? Um, what did you make, Darren, of this song? Did you love this song? Did do you feel the way about the album as I do? I, you know, I kind of immediately really enjoyed the song. You know, I, I like a long Bob Dylan song, right? I just do. Um, I like a, a song that where he's just like dumping lyrics, right? There's just a ton, mm-hmm. ton of stuff that you'll never really fully understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm all, I'm all in for that kind of thing. And, 
you know, I obviously have not kept up at all with like late Dylan. So to me, this seemed like a return to form or something. And it's obviously not, you mentioned before that he had a, a longer song from a previous Highlands, album, but yeah. to me, that's just, yeah. I mean, you know, okay. We're talking about something that happened in the sixties. Like here we are, you know, like this is, I'm in and I, and I, I really do enjoy it. I do enjoy the song. I agree with you, Gabe, that like the replayability of this is difficult, right? I felt like the more and more I listened to it, it, it felt a bit more difficult to, to see myself coming back to it over and over again. Right. It's not, I'm not saying that like the story is just totally revealed and you just totally get it and you don't need to come back to it. But you know, at the same time, I feel like the, what the message of the song is trying to get through, at least the way I interpret it. Like it is kind of that feeling of like, okay, I get it. I don't, I don't think I need to, you know, listen to this like 99 times. Um, you know, yeah. does that I, make I sense? Sort of, and, uh, it makes sense, but I, I mean, I, I completely disagree. Like I, I, when this song first got released and I didn't know it was on an album yet, I, I was listening to it like a ton. I, I, I've, I've continued listening to it. And even I've gone against my own rules of uh, not listening to the, a full album and then just listening to like this song. Um, I mean, maybe it has to do, like I said, I, I, I enjoy like the subject matter, like, you know, it's something I, I read about and stuff. So it's like a thing I like being, you know, if this is an audio book, like Gabe said, you know, it, it's, it's, it's one I would enjoy reading or listening to whatever. But I, I, I've found like the, the replayability of this, like, great. I there's so many like references and little things. Like, I feel like every time I listen, I, I, I'm, I'm finding something else out, you know? I'm probably a couple days from having the whole thing memorized. I uh, know I'm, I'm 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 loving it. I, I just like I found myself thinking back to like some like sad-eyed lady of the lowlands, right? Another Desolation Row song. is what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, I love those songs. Like, even if mm-hmm. I never paid attention to the lyrics, they're like really good songs. Um, and one thing that's like kind of interesting about this record is that the there's only one song with a chorus, which is Key West. It is, yeah, it is. The only song with a chorus, all the other songs are just verses. And there's usually like kind of an instrumental bridge in between each verse, which is like a slightly different chord progression, which mixes it up a little. But it's like, you know, I just feel like a lot of these songs, there is not a ton to latch on to except for the lyrics. And yet I also found myself wondering, I mean, would you guys describe Dylan in general, even like his 60s stuff as like musically adventurous or musically interesting? Uh, yeah i mean i get what you mean like i i think like instrumentally like maybe no you know like just on a bass level it is sort of like you know a a folk band or a a rock band um i i think like his voice has is like what's so like musically interested and i don't even just mean like the lyrics i mean like literally the sound of his voice you know it's like just such a he doesn't sound like anybody you know like it's it's Woody Guthrie through this like weird filter of you know what the hell accent is it? you know he's from Minnesota like what what is like the like <laughs> what is this like sound that that like he he makes you know like nobody else like sounds like this and it's just like so interesting and I think that's like you know when 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 people talk about you know people who aren't really fans they just know like the songs on the radio or something you know there, there's always that like oh he can't sing you know like people always say that um, but it's like. Yeah, he can't sing like the way you know, I don't know, some good singer sings. You know, he's not he's not like Mick Jagger or something. He he he's 
I don't know. It's like such a different like thing, you know, I, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but I think like that's what's like so musically interesting about Dylan. And then of course, like the lyrics are like, you know, the real meat and potatoes of, of him. But, um, yeah, I think there's like some sort of like musically interesting thing about it. I mean, th- this record, you know, I said Murder Most Foul has replayability. I- I've been listening to the whole record since it came out, you know, over and over. I-, I-, I think it's I think it's musically good, too. I mean, what what do you think, Derek? I mean, both about because, you know, do you agree with me that it's like in general, Dylan is not really like I don't really listen to for like musical innovation or like interesting arrangements. And yet I feel like this record has even less to latch onto in that department and is really just kind of all about those lyrics. Yeah, I mean, I, I am kind of in between, right? Because I, I agree with Dan in a lot of ways that like Dylan's, the sound of his voice is such a critical component of the music. You know what I mean? Um, whether it's the folk period or the electric period, for me, like it's his voice that kind of always stands out and I think is probably one of the earliest reasons why i just felt you just kind of know that like this guy is special like i need to know more about this particular artist you know what i mean mm-hmm. and you know the music is a, an important part of that like if it, if the music was just generally boring or not great you know i think that even a, even an interesting voice may struggle so so to the credit of the musicians and the bands that he's worked with like i still think that you know even if they are sort of rehashing you know blues and country rock and folk whatever like the you know his voice gives it enough you know credibility that i th- i think it is adventurous and, and fun to listen to like musically you know alone here though i agree like it is it's so scaled back right and we talked about like the restraint and stuff that it's it really you know there doesn't seem like a lot of life in the band itself and that you really are just having to focus on okay this is bob dylan like if it was anybody else some other name even if they're 79 years old or whatever i don't know if i'm paying close enough attention right because i don't know if i make it to murder most foul right which would be devastating because that's such a great (laughs) it really is a great song you know for a lot of reasons but like Bob Bob Dylan it being Bob Dylan really is a, a probably the major reason why I'm like sticking in sticking with it until the end you know what I mean Yeah I just felt like these are like all like top tier Dylan poems set to okay tier Dylan music or something mm-hmm. was kind of like my final feeling um I mean how would um how would you guys kind of sum up I don't know if we need to put a number score on it but Dan, you like love this album or like it or where are you at? Yeah, I, I think I love it. You know, I mean, is it as good as the 60s or or, or whatever? I, no, you know, it, I, I wouldn't give it a, a, a 10. I'd, I'd give it a, at least a nine. Um, I, you know, I, I'll come back to it. Like, of course, I mean, even in the in the two weeks listening to this, you know, I, I might have listened to Blood on the Tracks a couple times in there, you know, Um it, it doesn't rise like all the way to those levels, but I, I mean, it's it's definitely the best uh, record he's done since Desire. Um, uh, you know, I, I think it, uh, I love Time Out of Mind and some of those other records, but um, I, I think this one rises above those. Um, I, I think it's great. I mean, it'll it'll be one I, I come back to even not just when I'm in a you know going through all the Dylan records or something, you know. Um, do i think it's like something like somebody like needs to hear if you're you know not already a dylan fan like 
maybe not. And I think that that's, you know, it keeps me from giving it like a 10. Um, but I think like as a Bob Dylan record, it, it, it's, it's great. Yeah. What are your uh, overall thoughts, Darren? Yeah, I think that this is, you know, for any Bob Dylan fan, I think this is definitely something that's worth listening to. You know what I mean? I, especially with such a long, long career. Um, and for someone like me who never really cared to listen to any of the later period stuff, I think that this is one that's worth listening to. I mean, some of some of the songs like uh, I've made up my mind to give myself to you. Like, I, I love that song. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that and Murder Most Foul to me are like the best songs on the record. But I mean, I contain multitudes. I mean, we talked about some of these. They're excellent songs. And I could totally see myself on like a chill night, you know, wanting to read or something like throwing this on because, you know, the record kind of you know it, it it creates a mood right i think it it's it's good for a certain type of mood and yeah. Um, yeah you know if i'm in a dylan if i'm really in like a dylan mood i i may not come to this record in particular but i think that can find other reasons to come to it which i i think makes it worth a listen so if i were to give it a score i mean i'd probably give it somewhere like a like an 8 8.5 yeah yeah i'm probably in the same ballpark I, I, there's something like very special about it that like really shines on some of the songs you mentioned just now, Darren. Um, there's some other songs like Crossing a Rubicon or something like it just it just kind of like grinds on. I think like oh, I Black Rider, Black Rider is is cool, but it's like the record like just kind of grinds to a halt. I think like the wall, it's like a waltz so slow that you like keep losing the <laughs> tempo of the of the song. You know, it's um, but it's like as a as a whole thing, I think there's like something really special and and like kind of must hear about it. Um, I hate to end here, but I have to ask, like, what the fuck is up with the cover art? Like, you have some theory of, <laughs> some theory of, like, why, why this cover art? Like, what does Explain it mean? Explain this, why? Dan. Explain it. Come on. I, I don't know. I mean, n- nobody really knows. Like, the, the, the last couple, um, uh, bootleg series have had, like, pretty bad cover art, too. Especially tra- <laughs> traveling through. I mean, the title, More Blood, More Tracks, before that, too. Uh, it's like... <laughs> right. I, I, I've heard, and, you know, nobody knows if it's true or not, but people say that, like, Dylan is the one who, like, did the final, you know, go-ahead go or whatever with, like, traveling through, and that looks awful. But it honestly looks a lot <laughs> like, like this record. It, it, it looks like... You remember, like when when we were younger and stuff, you you go to like Walmart and they'd always have like, you know, some CD of like a uh, artist that was like so old that it, it was like out of uh you know copyright. <laughs> you know, it'd be like you know the best of uh yeah. you know Little Richard or something, and it would just have like Glenn Miller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a better example. You know, and it would just be like <laughs> In the, the shittiest and more. Yeah, it would be like the yeah. shittiest uh you know text and like some picture that had nothing to do with it. and like that's what this feels like and i don't know if it's like does he just not give a shit about like a cover yeah I, I, like does he think I it looks good like did somebody else just do it like it's like literally like i've seen like you know local bands with with better record covers than, yeah. than things like this you know and i mean like, it really looks the, awful the font is like one big problem but to me the biggest problem is like the widescreen thing yeah yeah it doesn't the like, picture doesn't even fit on the record <laughs> i feel like you know like um you know when you would be like 
like back in the day when when you kept you know you downloaded all your music and you kept it on iTunes and you go like looking for cover art mm-hmm. on Google Images mm-hmm. and like some would be like just horribly fucked up and cropped like in some weird way <laughs> yes, yes. like it just looks like it that looks I just like keep, that, keep yeah. going like I, I have a I have the wrong cover art you know like I have a bad <laughs> version of the cover art do you have a theory Darren uh, no I really don't I just I have no idea. <laughs> It's one of the worst um, covers I think I've ever seen. Um, and, and to consider like what the music, the music itself, it just doesn't yeah. seem to like match up really at all. It gives us, it's such a disservice because I feel like so, if I it know. wasn't getting such good reviews, like so many people would not give this a time of day because it looks like so half-assed. <laughs> I know. I just feel like if this is his last album, like... <laughs> Just lyrically and thematically, it's like a, a wonderfully like fitting closer to an yeah. incredible career. But like the the cover art is not. Although he's never really he's had not, yeah, cover art. He's not like might the best be the cover worst. art, man. Yeah, that's true. Okay, well, um, I, I guess uh, I don't know. Somebody say something nice about this album so we can close on that note. Uh, <laughs> it's a shitting this. on the cover art. Well, I love it. I, <laughs> I, I I'm glad we got this record. You know, I I was always sort of worried that like we would end on these Sinatra records and and you know and that would be it. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm so happy to have you know if, if this is. I hope it's not the last one. You know, I I never want that day to come. But you know, if it is, I, I'm I'm happy that it's at least like a great record, and you know, a a, a record of original material again. Well, if we want another album, let's hope he doesn't actually go to Key West because he'll get the COVID for sure down there. <laughs> That's um, true. That's true. <laughs> any any uh, closing thoughts, Darren? No, I mean, I I think that this is you know a fitting. If it is the last one, I think this would be you know a great record to always look back on. I think, you know, um, there's so much here that as a Bob Dylan fan, there is to like, you know, and honestly, I'm kind of curious about some of the other, uh, you know, late period records. Um, you know, I, I may, I may end up checking those out, but yeah, this is, this is one murder most foul, I think is like a really, truly a remarkable song to come out at this, at this point in his career. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Completely agree. You d- definitely check out Time Out of Mind. I-, I think you'll, I think you'll like Highlands. It's it's in the uh, same sort of vein there. Um, but what do you think? We'd love to read your thoughts on there. Give us suggestions. Uh, anything you want us to talk about? Uh, job applications for the Bob Dylan Center. Email those to <laughs> popshieldpod at gmail dot com. Next episode, of course, we're not sure. If you like the show, help us out by subscribing. Leave us a five star review wherever you get your podcast. Stay connected. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Pop Shield Pod and we'll see you in two weeks. See ya. So long.